This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Well, Happy New Year, and thank you for joining us once again on ShrimpNet, uh, the podcast of the Shrimps Trust. Uh, and as I've said, Happy New Year to both our listeners, and two of them are appearing tonight. <laughs> uh, plenty to chat about, as usual, with the, the games that have gone on, the games that are coming up, the departures, the signings, uh, the ownership on the table, and to keep us informed as to the possible comings and goings uh, with Joel and myself, the uh, the Dirty Dozen, as we call ourselves, uh, we are joined by the Thinking Woman boardroom heartthrob, James H- Wakefield. Welcome along, James. Thank you very much indeed, David. <laughs> and fresh from his two-goal hole versus Burton, we welcome our Southampton loanee, and not our only Southampton loanee now, but the fleet-footed and maybe slightly offside, Caleb Watts. Welcome along, Caleb. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, you know, thanks for coming on, and thanks for being on side when I spoke to you. So, uh, where do we start? Usual format. Uh, we'll start with the Boxing Day game at Port Vale, which was, uh, I'll say it as I see, I thought we were two pretty poor sides beset by a poor pitch, and uh, one goal settled it, and the, <laughs> the less said, the better, Joel. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, it's not one that's going to, uh, I'm going to remember with much fondness. I thought. First half, maybe like maybe about fifty-five minutes. I think we probably edged it just about, but like you say, it wasn't exactly like there was a there was a great deal of quality in that game. It, it wasn't one for the it wasn't a memorable one. I think we probably had the best chance with that Melbourne header, mm. and it it really looked, from behind the goal. It really looked like it was going in, so that was a bit agonising. And then just to add insult to injury, the key bounces straight into the keeper's arms, boots it up, win the flick on, and Massey hits it in from twenty-five yards. So. Yeah, that felt very cursed at that moment. <laughs> I felt, uh, yeah, it just felt very unlucky. And then, well, you know, these things happen in football. And I think, you know, we kind of piled on a bit. And then I think, I don't know, I think around the kind of 50, 60 minute mark, there was a couple of changes that had been made. I think there was one at half time as well from Port Vale. And that just seemed to give them a little bit more control and surety in midfield. Yeah, a bit more and, cohesion, wasn't there? Yeah, I think they, they brought on, brought on a more experienced midfielder, just having a quick brief look at it, and and yeah, they just kind of seemed to control that a bit more and then get a bit more territory. And I thought they did quite a good job of pinning us in our final third. I, they didn't threaten much, in fairness, but they didn't really let us have much joy. And maybe we could have done a bit more to change the situation and react to that, but we haven't on the day, and it's disappointing. But yeah, thankfully the uh, the two games since have cast out away <laughs> kind of like a, made us forget about that one a little bit. Yeah, it was it it wasn't the greatest of games, James, uh, but it was a, a a bit of a a bit of a, a shall we say the usual format. Nothing really to, to to separate the sides apart from we didn't score and they did. I think that's fair. I've just got to very quickly um, go off on a bit of a, of a tangent here. Um, I've got a village football game tomorrow night two sets of dads, two villages, with a referee, 11 of side. 
and a keeper has just volunteered, an actual keeper. So I've got a keeper for my team for tomorrow night. How exciting is that? <laughs> Sorry, I digress. What's, what, uh, are you in full kit? Well, full kit, obviously. It's a series as this football gets at 47 years old. I didn't have a keeper. Nobody wanted to play in goal. And Dillar from the local barbers has just volunteered. And apparently he's good. All right. 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 Oh, right. Hey, uh, so you'll be on for cheap haircuts as well. I cut my own, phrase, honestly. Um, right, back to Port Vale. I, th I think uh, Freeze has got it right. You guys have got it right. And I'm sure that Kane will have a more expert opinion. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of chances on the night, but it just looked horrendous conditions, like really, really crap conditions. The, 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 yeah. the, you know, you couldn't work out whether the ball was going to run, get stuck. People yeah. were falling over, people were leaving the ball behind. You know, every back pass to the goalkeeper felt looked like either it, it might might turn into a chance. So it, it was a it was a, a low chance game on a on a low quality pitch. Yeah, it, it's not one that'll live long in the memory, memory Caleb. Um it, put it down as another defeat and we move on. And obviously we have bounced back since then. But uh it, it it's the, the the one thing that came out of it was that Derek seemed fairly reticent to make changes when they'd made changes. And that, that's not a criticism. It's just, obviously, Donald Love, you know, uh, ended up coming on and getting sent off, bless him. Uh, and I can understand his frustration. But it was a frustrating afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't our finest our finest day. And it was, it was a terrible day to play football. I think the pitch was ruined. And we weren't quite on our game. And I think that's probably the less said the better. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, as a stat man, we move on to Accrington. Now, Accrington, obviously, I think we've played them something around the 30 times in the Football League, Mark. And I think up to that that game on the 29th, we'd beaten them twice and lost 15 and drawn the rest. That's something about right, Joel, is it? I don't know. But, yeah, that sounds about right, about 14 or 15 seasons. So, yeah, sounds about right. And yet on the day, um, again, pretty even for maybe the first 20, 25 minutes. In fact, we cleared one off the line, as we know. Uh, Accrington had a, a decent chance, which thankfully uh, Gibbo cleared off the line, but um, took our chances that day. And all, it, it just shows you the difference. Two goals before half time, and all of a sudden we look pretty comfortable. Yeah, I think a uh, little quick kudos to Cole. Actually, it was uh, who headed off the line, and there was, was a Cole? Of, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. and well, well, I'll speak about him more in a minute because he had a great game, but uh, and a couple of good saves from uh, from Connor as well. But uh, yeah, I thought it wasn't too much in the first half. I thought just before we scored, actually, Accrington came off quite a good spell. To be honest, I thought they had a couple of decent chances. Um, the lad they had at left wing back, he was causing a bit of trouble. Pritchard, obviously, before his injury, unfortunately. Uh, he was causing a bit of trouble as well, but then yeah, we we just kind of had a bit. We had a bit of a good spell, and we made the most of it. I think what was really good to see was was Cole doing what he's really really good at. And you know, you see all this on on Twitter, and when when the rumours about him go around, and you go, oh, would he? Oh, he's a, he's a one season wonder for goals, blah blah blah, and it's all nonsense. But like, really, the value of Cole, yeah, the goals are great, but the real value to us especially is the way he's able to hold the ball up and bully defenders and he did that for both of the goals the first one obviously directly assisting it and then it's it's an unbelievable hit by uh Shaw for that one really really good good footwork as well and then playing it uh playing the switch ball for Cooney and <laughs> he's just kind of gone on the rampage controlling with his head which I thoroughly enjoyed and then 
it's quite a nice little run from Phillips actually, just watching it back, which opens the space up for Shaw yes. dragging the marker away for Weir, sorry, dragging the marker away, and then yeah, it finished it off nicely. And then, like you say, we've not got we've not found that second goal yet at all. I think this season, well, to go two 0 up, so to do that and then yeah, it seemed to give us a bit of a lift and. I think the second half was quite assured. I know John Coleman likes to think that they were dominating, but if having a few kind of P-roll shots, uh, the best shot stopper in the league is dominance, then fine. That's his definition of dominance, but they they weren't dominating. It was pretty comfortable. And then when it looked like uh, they might be starting to get a bit of an upper hand, I thought the sil- that uh, Derek made to bring Caleb on and just give us a bit more zip up further up the pitch and get them a bit higher, I thought that was that worked really nicely. And yeah, Really happy, really, really, and just great to beat Accrington finally again. Exactly. Um, obviously, we, we've come up. Obviously, we've we've shared uh, Lancashire combination. We've shared Northern Premier League. We've shared Conference and League Two, and now we shared League One. So we've shared five different divisions with them, and uh, it's only really in recent times that they've had the upper hand. We've had probably. The, particularly non-league and in the conference, we had a, the upper hand on Accrington. But since we got in League Two and uh, and League One, they seem to have the the, uh, the the Jonah side on us, don't they, James? So it was refreshing to win. It's brilliant. I've never seen us beat Accrington. And I've seen us play them a lot of times. Um, and I never saw one of the one of the non-league victories. And I've not seen, them, seen us beat them in the 12 years, the last 12 years either. So absolutely wonderful um, to, to, for us to beat them. Um and the, the best thing about the game for me was not scoring a couple of goals and um, getting a proper lead. It was the fact that when the when the when the um, the, the fourth official put the put the board up towards the end and there was eight minutes or so of extra time and it was a lot of extra time. There wasn't that intake of breath, that panicky feeling. There was that sense of now we've got this. We, 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 the, the team genuinely looked like they were playing within themselves. So um, yeah, really, 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 really encouraging. And to be fair, no matter what um, John Coleman says, and he's a Morecambe legend. Um, all of the guys upstairs were, were very, very clear. We, we were deserved winners. Um, I've got a lot of time for Andy at Accrington and him and his, him and his sons, actually, um, and, and one of his mates were all absolutely 100%. You deserved that, no complaints whatsoever. You, you played within yourselves and you, you won it comfortably. And it, it, was, it was very pleasing, obviously, from a team point of view and, and for a personal point of view. Uh, it, before that, just two wins, Caleb, it was much needed, Uh following on from some decent performances but not got us the points and we actually had a decent performance that got us the points and it it it's signalled a bit of a seed change in the attitude hasn't it yeah i think as john said us getting the second goal has been important and we haven't done that enough this season and the fact we got it against Accrington probably gave us that, that confidence to push on and get a fairly comfortable win i'd say yeah, pretty comfortable. You came on and, and did your bit. You uh, did your usual of uh, uh, char- charge around, got stuck in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it was a great atmosphere on the day. Um, is it difficult in a local derby like that to come on and make your mark? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Th- I wouldn't say I really made my mark in the game, but I don't think so. I, I'm not from up here, so I, I don't attribute a lot of like personal. I'm not hugely like crazy up for a derby up north as I would be down south where like I know what the games mean to the people um but yeah like it was a big game the fans were up for it and we just wanted to give them the three points that they deserved really yeah and it took a long time coming but like I say that's our third win over Accrington in probably 15 seasons so yeah we we enjoyed that one so moving on uh 
the, the Burton game, Burton won their last two games, uh, looked in pretty good form. Um, our old adversary, when he used to play up front for uh, Southport, uh, is now their manager. And where we had some many battles with him in the conference and uh, he was always a wholehearted and uh, was always on the shall we say he was on, always on the edge of uh, the edge of the referee's notebook and nothing's changed burton are very much in his you know they were very attack minded they came and, and had a real go but uh let's talk about the suicidal high line <laughs> <laughs> it was it was interesting i remember actually at half time i had a little because it was just a bit bizarre in, in many ways just the, the way that we just just so easily there, there could have been a couple more goals in that first half alone because you know there were moments where the ball's getting popped over the top and the you know, Coles hit that one just past the post but I remember having a little peek at their Twitter at half time and a few of their fans were kind of saying that they've had this high line for a few games and they've had a few scary moments in previous games but nobody's really quite found a way to punish them at maybe as much as they should have and obviously We've done our homework. The players have taken on board what what's been said to them, and they've applied that in the game really well. Because, yeah, it was it was it was just very very strange to watch. I mean, we say they gave us some gifts, but at the same time, they've been doing similar in the last few games. It sounds like the teams haven't capitalised it like we did. So we were definitely doing something right that the other teams weren't doing as much. And yeah, it was it was just really good to see and get a few goals, bit boost a bit of confidence. Just lots of good performances going forward. Uh, you know, Carl Stockton and Kim Phillips were both running in behind, caused a you know a right load of trouble uh, for Burton's centre backs. And then obviously Coles had to go off at half time. Caleb's come on again, just more of the same, really. Just caused loads of trouble running in behind, got a couple of goals, and yeah, just really nice to see. I mean, it's hard to it, you know, it's one of those that's it's hard to pick too much from, but just because it that they had. They had a really high line. We exploited it in a way that teams haven't done recently. And we got a load of goals for it. And it was it was nice as well for Ripley to have literally nothing to do. Well, apart actually, no, the, his biggest contribution to the game actually was booting the ball upfield, which yeah. <laughs> which is you know it, it, it and it's 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 a positive James. That's two, two games without conceding and our goal difference went from minus 17 to minus 10 which is the best in the bottom six now so it was important on the day it helps as well by a couple of our rivals getting spanked um in the, the day after um which is it makes a huge difference that shift to goal difference obviously there's a lot of football left to be played i think the the, the, the only other thing i'll say and joel's absolutely right and derek actually said it um, a few days ago he said they stuck with the high line and we were surprised that they did um, and, and you know we, we capitalised on it, but it, it was the fifty fifties as well. Like we won every fifty fifty stat on the ground and in the air, and that's testament to the players. So you you can't take advantage of a high line unless you're winning the ball from the opposition team. And we won the ball, we True. moved it quickly, and we we, we took advantage. But I, I think it wasn't just that high line; it was that um, that Morecambe wanted it more, wanted it a lot more on the day. And I'm going to come to Caleb now and say, well. <laughs> I I'll take a 5-0 win. Any, In fact, I'll take a 1-0 win any day of the week. But I'll be absolutely honest here that in our first four goals, none of them are going to win goal of the season competition, are they? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I agree. But it's, yeah, it just doesn't matter how they come, especially where you're at, especially where we're at, I don't think. So, yeah, we'll take all five and, and take the three points. And uh, so, we'll, so while we're on the uh, goal of the season... 
we'll talk about your first, which was possibly the scrubbiest of the lot. It, it actually looked like a rugby scrub and you just stuck your foot out and it went in. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to like follow the pack as it got closer to the goal and um, it popped out and I just swung my lefty at it. I think Kieran got the assist for it, he was telling me today. Oh, oh yeah, well, he, <laughs> yeah, he yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, I was saying to my brother the week before that I'd, I'd love an easy one just to get off the mark and they don't get a lot easier than that, so. No, well, we'll talk about the second one now, because obviously um, it, 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 it made um, a lot, a lot of uh, online uh, online and on TV. It made They made quite quite a lot of fun of it. It was like, oh, it might have been offside. Uh, but it, actually, the, the still of the pass being made, it, it shows it was pretty close. And the liner was probably about a yard behind you and you sort of do look a you know you do look about a yard offside but it's it, it looked clear five or six yards on the TV when the camera flashed to you didn't it? Yeah I think him stepping up and then me making the run at pretty similar times has probably shown that um we came the next day and the gaff was saying that I, they'd released some photos and I was almost onside yeah. and when I went back to see it even I was surprised at how close it looked because um I felt like I was when I've looked up and I've seen like all the yellow shirts behind me, I was sure he'd blow up, but he didn't. So Yeah, and it was, you had a long way to go as well, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes when you have too much time it's it's, it's probably worse. And I, as I was driving, I was looking at Adam Mad thinking like, should I give him a goal? Like, can I get the pass to him? Um but I thought if I mess this up then it looks worse to me the keeper saving it. So I thought I'd I'd go for goal. But it, it looks, and like I say, I was behind you. I was in the home end. And it looked from where we were like he'd sort of invited you to go near post and you just went, oh, thanks very much, and slipped it past him. Yeah, yeah. I had one before where he, he he like did a similar thing and I still tried to go far post and he saved it. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll go near stick this time. Yeah, I was, I w- I was going to come to that, actually, because obviously... There was there was numerous chances during the day, like you say, we like Joel alluded to. Cole had one where he tipped it over the keeper, and there was a couple of people who had a, a couple of sort of decent chances from set pieces, etc. And then you came on at half time, and I, I think you had, did you have four shots in the end. I think you did. Didn't you? Five. Yeah. So you know, yeah, and and bizarrely, probably the hardest one of the lot was the one that you scored as the fifth goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I really should have put away the last one for the hat trick and the other two. To be fair. Um, it was happen. funny. I've, I've been, yeah, I've been waiting for chances all season, and they all come. Oh, that's, in Forty-five that's, minutes like that. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because it, it and I'll I'll go back to what Joel said against the Port Vale game when the, when Max Melbourne's header hit the post and came back into the keeper's arm. And I think, yeah, that was just a little bit of luck when it went against us. But then again, I look against Burton. I think God, we've had about a season's worth in one game there. Uh, yeah, because it, it it's just the way it went. Everything seemed to fall for us, particularly like you said. Your first goal, just sort of like a, a complete melee in the box, a right mess, and all of a sudden it just pops out, and there you are, and uh, you're not getting an easier one. No, no, I won't. You said it all, genuinely. <laughs> I, what I quite enjoyed was after the first one, watching um, the three players who were closest to the ball have an actual discussion while celebrating about who had scored it. <laughs> and there was this oh, yeah. chat. You could see Kerry going, no, it was me, it was me. And the others were going, oh, no, was... it was it. And it was, it was a little chat. And, it, and it's, it's funny because they were, they were claiming offside there, and he wasn't offside because there was the, there was a guy next to the keeper and the keeper, and he was stood this side of them. But 
Uh, was it Jensen's shot that the, the, that deflected onto him? I, th- I think it was. Kelly uh, match might be able to say from the dressing room, but it looked like the keeper had saved the shot onto Kieran's shin. I can, I genuinely couldn't tell you <laughs> on the bench. We were having a similar discussion because we all thought Jensen had scored. Yeah, um, and we're pretty used to seeing that. So. Well, my, my missus actually said at the time that she's never seen a goal go a ball go over the line so slowly with everybody watching it, and you could see it going. <laughs> but hey, yeah. it'll count. So um, that, that's 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 given everybody a lift. Surely the dressing room now must be thinking, well, actually we can we can crack on. We've got a chance. We've got Cheltenham at home on Saturday, um, and uh, looking at the way we've played in the last two games, Cheltenham not in the greatest of form. We weren't in the greatest of form. Surely that puts us in a situation now where the, the pressure is now slightly off because we've actually got two wins. Um, I think the pressure's always on to win games, I think. Uh, but I, I, know what, I know what you're saying. I see where you're coming from. But at home, we've been quite good this season. So I think, form or not, we back ourselves to, to get a result against Cheltenham. We're obviously going in with more confidence now. But yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like in the dressing room we've got a good squad and we all want to get three points whenever we can. So we won't ease up or, or feel as if the pressure's off us now. I mean, obviously we are still in the bottom four, but it did feel like the Accrington and and uh, the Burton games were must win to keep us in contention. Whereas all of a sudden, the way other results have gone for us, we are now back in the pack. And that's got to be a good thing, Joel, hasn't it? Yeah, I think... I mean, you don't want to be too dramatic about these things going into January, but I think if we'd lost those two games, it's Burton and Accrington, and results have gone not an entirely unlikely way. We could have been, you know, ten plus points away from safety, and obviously there's a long way to go. But if you're ten plus points away from safety around January, then that's a that's really hard to make up. And that really is pressure. On. It, 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 it's possible, obviously, but it would have been very very difficult. So. To kind of be facing up to that possibility and then perform and then for the players to perform in the way that they have done and get the two wins, you know, it, it, it's, it's such a relief. It's such a confidence boost. And, you know, we, we've gone from looking like we were on the verge of getting cut adrift. I've, I've, I've uh, been, because we've won a couple of games, I've, uh, I've collected my toys, I've put them back in the pram and I've started listening to the, uh, not the top 20 and D3D4 podcast again because I can bear to listen to them now. But, uh, <laughs> So like, but like they were saying, like you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, yeah, more coming Forest Green. Never, I think they're off now. But uh, you know, a couple of wins. We we say results going in our favour, but I don't think it's that much of a surprise that Cambridge and Accrington lost to Sheffield Wednesday and Derby away as well, both at their, you know, at Pride Park and Hillsborough. So yeah, it, it, you just look at the table now, and it, it's on, isn't it? You know, there's we're one point away from safety. We've got the best goal difference. You know, it is well and truly on. It's yeah, it, it just feels a lot nicer to be looking at the table now. To be honest, well, the only, the only, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think for a minute that you know uh, that we're going to give up uh, and say everything's rosy in the garden. It isn't quite obviously, but we've got to take heart from the fact that um, we performed pretty well at Cheltenham uh, and lost one nil to probably their only one shot on target. We had one shot at the bar again. It was another. It was not dissimilar to the Port Vale game, really, where we were slightly better in the first half, and then second half, you know, we were chasing it a bit and Kieran at the bar in the last minute and blah blah. It just didn't quite go for us. But 
their their scoring records even worse than ours. So uh, you know, <laughs> I'll be honest. I thought our oh, Cheltenham the Cheltenham away. I thought I was putting the worst performance of the season. We didn't create. Yeah, it wasn't anything. great. And yeah. I think Cheltenham did what to us what we like to do to teams. They sat back, they defended really well, yeah. and then they hit us in the break several times. And I think they could have had a second in the second half. I think we had a good bit of play in the first half, but we just didn't create enough genuine chances. No, and it was interesting to see actually Derek come out and be very, you know, upfront about how poor he thought the performance was. And I think, I think as we see the way like Derek kind of assesses games, I think it personally, I think it tends to be more, you know, chances and having good moments and in and around the penalty area. And we just didn't have any of those moments against Cheltenham. But you know, we're in much better form now. You know, there's a bit. Got a bit going. I think we found a bit of a, a good formula in in terms of our lineup and how we use the team. So, I'm I'm you know got loads of hope for uh, Saturday. Well, that, that was going to be my, my next question to to all three of you, really, in the simple fact that um, you know my sort of cod theory for me is sort of, he's he's kind of persisted with the same system uh, of three centre backs, and I know we've had this conversation before that it was like. Many people are calling it six defenders because he's having to play Gibbo in midfield. And, I'm, you know, you, we, we've laughed about that. But um, with Ryan Cooney and, by accident, Adam Mayer taking up the left wing back position, all of a sudden we seem to have found the ideal two people to actually do that because they can both motor up and down. They're both pretty comfortable. Yeah. All of a sudden the system looks to be working with the two two up front because we've got the difference of Kieran Phillips with the pace over the top and Cole with his back to goal. And whether by accident or not, it's nice to see Joel. Yeah, and even you know, Mel, even when Mel obviously went off injured against Accrington, but even Melbourne, he's someone you can get up and down the flank really yeah. well as well. And you know, the, the whole six defenders thing. You know, Liam Gibson's been playing CDM. I know, I know, technically he's a left back or left centre back, but he's playing instead of um, who someone who was nominally a defensive midfielder, Usman Fain, and you know who's. Who's going to be better at playing passes forward? It's it's going to be Gibbo. So, you to know, be fair, I thought I thought Gibbo was man of the match against. Yeah, well, a lot of people have agreed with you, and you know, I, I get why because you know he's got a lot of good skills for playing in, in in that position, and I think it's a hard position to adapt to. But as we can see in the last few games, he's he's done that really well. So when when the the, the six defender thing gets thrown around, I think I do think it is a bit disingenuous to be honest because. Uh, Gibbo's playing as a, as, a, as a midfielder, and it's it's a role he does bring some attacking qualities to because I think he's good on the ball, and I think he finds a good pass through the lines and uh, good passes forward. So, yeah, I, I I do disagree with the whole six defender thing. I think it's you know it's, it's five two. I think I think Gibbo's adapted. It's taken him time, and bizarrely, uh, obviously, he was on he was on this podcast about a month ago saying that he, he did find it difficult to adapt. And uh, at the time, he'd switch back to sort of like left, sort of like left centre back, left sort of like attacking midfield, whatever. And he did say it takes time because obviously, and you made the point that you've got the comfort of the touchline, and he hasn't got that anymore because he's got the whole pitch to do. But he does seem to have settled in the last couple of games, and it, along may it continue. You know, um, we shall see against Cheltenham. It, it's going to be interesting. But uh, it's nice to be coming on and saying positive things about everybody at the moment because it's you know. We're always trying to be positive on this podcast, and at times we we seem to be. We, we, people tell me that oh, you, you're always trying to be positive, and sometimes you might be clutching at straws. But you know, it just goes to show you that we've 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 been sort of saying for weeks we've got some good players, and it is only a matter of time. And sure enough, 
as I said about three weeks ago, Barry Roach said somebody soon is going to get an absolute battering. And he told me that before the Exeter game, and we never got anywhere near Exeter. But three weeks later, look what happens. So Barry predicted it. So well done, Baz. And I know he listens, so I'll give him some credit. So, so right, we'll, we'll move on now. Caleb, um, you're, you're in the frozen north on loan. <laughs> How did that come about? It's <laughs> um, just one of my options, and I just I, I like the idea of... of um, I've lived away from home for ages, so living away from home has never been a big thing for me. And um, I like the opportunity playing League One. I like what the manager had to say, so I just thought, yeah, effort. I'll go up north and and, and try and play some League One football. So all right. So uh, so uh, uh, has anybody has anybody given you gravy yet? I have stayed away from the gravy. I'm not <laughs> a gravy man, so. How did I know that'd be the weakness? How did I know? <laughs> so uh, obviously you, you're you're at Southampton, and that's they're they're, they're obviously a, a a Premier League club. You started off at QPR, uh, I, I believe. Is it is your dad? Who's, is it your dad who's Australian? And and you're obviously yeah. you, you went you went to Tokyo with the Australian Olympic team. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, how 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 was that? That sounds like an amazing experience. Yeah, it was. It, it was very cool. The um, I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but the fact that COVID kind of was rampant at the time made traveling there and moving around pretty difficult. So maybe we didn't get the full Olympic experience, but like beating Argentina in the first game, playing against Spain, against players like Pedri and stuff. So yeah, unforget, unforgettable moments. Um, and yeah, I'm grateful that I got picked to, to go on a, on a trip. So you, presumably you had the choice of uh, England or Australia, and obviously Australia came calling. It was an easy, an easy call to make. Yeah, yeah, I um, yeah, I when I was younger, I went out to Australia a lot to see my grandparents and, and on various holidays, and um, I've always felt like a, a great affinity to the country. So yeah, I wanted to play for Australia. Yeah, that was the decision. Yeah. So how's the accent coming on then? I'm not going to embarrass myself and try it, but it's um, uh, behind closed doors. I'd, I'd say it's okay. Well, uh, I've got I've got a great affinity with the. Uh, I've got a daughter in Sydney, and I've got a, my son went out in November to Perth. So, and I've been FaceTiming in today, and I've been doing my accent. And believe you me, it's crap. So I won't bother you with it. Either. Yeah, it's a hard one to nail. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I just I I just sound like I'm whining. And I've got the inflection right though, so where everything everything sounds like a question, you know, <laughs> not that right. But the accent's crap. But anyway, never mind. So moving on, um, you've you've come in. I mean, perfect timing for you to come on here because obviously the opportunity that came your way against Burton, you've been waiting a long time to take that. You've come on in some difficult situations this season. Um, and I know that obviously I think you've scored three now because obviously you bagged one in the in the, the was it the Papa John's? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, it your position? Do you feel like you're best in the middle in the ten roll? Do you want to go out wide? Where do you feel you should? What's your best bet? I, I think I'm probably most effective in the middle. Um, when I play wide, I end up running all the way inside anyway. So I am. Um, yeah, I'd say I'm probably best suited to sort of the 10 playing around the middle of the pitch. Um, but obviously for that, you need to be 
secure on the ball, not lose it. And at times, I think, especially as games drag on, that's where I let myself down a bit, which is part of why I'm learning to learn to learn those skills and be better at them. So obviously, uh, you a well documented, fantastic loan period at Crawley Town, where you suffered was it a hamstring injury after eighteen minutes? Yeah, or I did my hammy. Yeah. So you're doing considerably better than us, better with us than you did with them, which is probably a godsend for you because it's an important part of your career. This sort of building up, you know, as a player, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The um, the Crawley period was was a frustrating one to say the least. But um, yeah, I, I yeah, my, it's, you know, it's basically my first scene, my first season in proper senior football. Um, getting to know League One, um, how managers work, how the teams work, etc. And yeah, it's it's been an education. I've I've learned a lot so far, and hopefully, I learn a lot more. And uh, 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 so I'll ask I'll ask you now. We always think we always think we. Are, I'll always ask one before I hand you on to Joel. who will ask you more serious questions. It, who's the loudest in the dressing room? Is it Connor? Loudest in the dressing room. I don't know. I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be riffers. I'm trying to think. It's like there's like various groups that people will be like louder in. He might be up there. Dylan's probably up there. Um, Dylan. Oh, that's different. We've not had that one before. That Faz isn't quiet. Yeah. There's a. Few, there's a few. Honestly, I'm, I'm trying to think, and I, I can't think of anyone. I'd. I'd Pick out as the loudest. It's so a you, fairly... are you one of the quiet ones then? Nah, I wouldn't say so. Nah, I wouldn't say I'm one. Of, I don't think I'd be named as one of the quiet ones. So who's 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 in your group and who's the loudest in your group then? Oh, I don't mean to make it sound clickage, but like <laughs> the the like just like sort of car schools and stuff. Um, and I drive in with Jake and Jensen. And I'd say I'd probably be the loud one in that. <laughs> well, that fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I can cope with that. Um, I'll hand you over to my esteemed colleague, Joel, who asks far more in-depth questions than I ever do. No, far more boring questions, I think some people <laughs> might say. But um, obviously you, you had your loan at Crawley, but I think it was before that, actually, as well. You had, or was it after camp? Remember, but... Uh, You've you've had some minutes in the Premier League. So what was that like uh, coming on the pitch there? Uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty crazy. It was it was before my quality spell, uh, the season before, like around probably like a similar time actually, like January, and um, there was a few injuries in the squad, and um, I'd made my debut in the FA Cup, and then had done okay and got on in three games after that. And to be fair, when I came on, I had literally no impact on the game at all. I um, had wish I'd tried to take it by the scruff of the neck a bit better. But yeah, it was, you're planning up against players from Man City and Arsenal and stuff. It's, yeah, it kind of felt a bit dreamish, if I'm honest. I can imagine, yeah. I imagine as well, like, I don't know what, what it must be like for somebody uh, coming in, but I, I imagine it's quite, the speed and intensity at which everything's happening is that a bit of a is that going to hit you as well yeah yeah like you get the ball and then and someone's on you immediately and like coming off the bench in a, in a, in a 23s game can sometimes come at you quite fast but the premier league is a it's a whole different 
a whole completely different level. Um, I, there's a reason they get paid outrageous amounts of money because they just are that good. <laughs> so uh, coming back down to uh, League One level, what's that like? What's the kind of biggest shock and adjustment being kind of coming into first team football in League One? Biggest shock and adjustment. I think, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's League One, it's a high level, it's, it's quick, it's fast, it's physical. Um, you make mistakes more often than not, you're going to get punished. Um, but like, yeah, I, I was, I, I think I was as prepared as I, as I could be having played no men's football before. Um, obviously, I'm, just, I'm a lot better now than I was at the start of the year and I've learned a lot from my experience so far. But I don't know, I, I'd just say the intensity of which it's played plus the crowd um, it's probably the, is the main thing I've, I've noticed. So in, in terms of the stuff you've learned since the start of the season then, kind of on, on both on, on and off the pitch, what, what are the kind of main things that you've learned? Oh, there's a load of things. I think things like um, when to try and do a bit with the ball, um, like higher up in the pitch where you can affect it more. I think I was guilty of, I still am to an extent, but a lot less, I think, of like, Beating a few, trying to beat a few players in my own half where in League One if you lose it and, and they go and score like you won't play for a couple of weeks um, just stuff like that coming out in the second half knowing how to go down take a foul slow the game down just like tricks of the trade that you wouldn't learn playing 23 football um, and like being reliable defensively stuff that will keep the gaffer picking you and maybe you're not firing on the in the final third like you should be so t- talking of kind of coming on at certain points in games and doing the right things at the right times, I, I, I found it interesting when Derek brought you on against Accrington because obviously we're defending your lead and then he brings in an attacking midfielder for a centre-back and I thought it was really interesting. I think it ended up working quite well from, from kind of my perspective in the crowd. I, I kind of guess he was asking you to kind of you know, get up in their faces and maybe give them something to think about. Was was that kind of your instruction when you went on then? Um, I he just kind of just told me I was going on the ten, um, and yeah, that that was about it. I I mean, we were we were up in the games, so I kind of knew my role was maybe not to try and go and win the game, but but help protect the lead that we had. Um, but yeah, just be like for him to trust me in moments like that is probably something that he wouldn't do at the start of the year. So I um. Yeah, it was, it was, I was pleased that I could come on in moments like that and not just when we're losing or drawing and, and he needs like a moment for us to score or win from. I, I, I have to say there were, the, around me in the Barticard, <laughs> there were quite a few of the older people saying, he's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. He's taken the centre half on, but Caleb on. And I was like, there's got to be a reason for it because he's very tactically astute, is Derek. He's not an idiot. And uh, it did work. But like I say, some of the guys around me were like, He's, he's on drugs. What's he doing? You know, and it was like, yeah, it's fair enough because it, it's he's not known for a, a sort of, uh, yeah, that was seen as quite a, um, a, a, an extravagant gesture, wasn't it, Joel? Yeah, I think in, in general, just with any manager, when they do something that looks that alarming, I, I, I usually assume there's probably quite a good reason behind it that I haven't spotted because I'm not an experienced football manager. So I think I always think when when, when they do something like that, you think, yeah, he, you know, he's cooking something here. So, uh, you know, we just, you just, you just wait and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, going back to the uh, Olympics, I, you know, I did actually realise, I was having a little bit of a research on this. I know you, you shared the pitch with uh, 
not obviously Pedri and some other really great players, but also uh, Alexis McAllister, who's now won the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you beat him. Yeah. yeah, you beat him 2 0. Yeah, they were down to 10 men. And yeah, yeah, it was a great win. I was buzzing after that. Well, you just, you just need to tell Jensen that because he, when he goes back to Brighton, he can remind him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So actually, talking of the, the international camp stuff, so obviously you said the Tokyo one was uh, when you're in for the Olympics, obviously that's going to be hampered a bit by COVID. But in, in general, what, what is it like going away on those international camps? Um, yeah, um, enjoyable. You get to represent your country. I've always loved seeing the national anthem before games. Um, I kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. But um, yeah, it's great. You get to play against different players from different countries and you see like how different countries maybe produce different types of players when you play against the Mexico you know it's going to be a sort of like gritty sort of game um, and I, I like I find that interesting playing against teams like that and, and, and seeing things like that and actually you just reminded me of something I heard in the pop um, I can't remember I think it might be in the TIFO podcast but they were saying about how they were there was a bunch of journalists playing in I think it was at a World Cup and a bunch of journalists from different countries joined up in little six-a-side, seven-a-side teams and played against each other. You could, And they said you could actually see that, like you said, the tactical identities and the kind of playing identities of each country even kind of pervades to journalists who obviously played a bit when they were a kid but obviously aren't proper footballers. So, yeah, that's yeah. quite interesting to hear that. So, it's well, actually, coming, coming to League One then, is that something you kind of learn when you're when you're playing in League One now, do you start to kind of pick out the different identities and styles of play that different teams in this division are uh, kind of deploying? Yeah. I mean, we go, we go through it as a team um, in a sort of debrief form before the games um, about like how, like who their danger men are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, to, like, to an extent, you know, against like the switches and stuff, you're going to be running a lot, chasing the ball. Um, so yeah, I would say so. I think towards us, there's, it's probably less like specific styles of play and it's a bit more random, like where we are on the table, apart from maybe like from a screen a little bit. Um, but like obviously near the top end, you, you get a lot of players, that a lot of teams that are heavy on the passing and I have noticed that. And then you've got Wickham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good fun. Um, yeah, no, it was really interesting. Cheers, Kelly. Back to you, Freeze. So we, we now move on uh, to the arrivals and departures, which makes it sound like an airport, doesn't it, really? But uh, as we suspected, uh, Usman uh, Fane, or Fane, whichever you want to call him, has departed for Pastor New, playing for, uh, signing for Penang in the Malaysian League, which was um, obviously um, just been announced today. Good luck to him. Um, he... he, he he came in and did a job for us at the end of last season, didn't he, Joel? And uh, and for that, we've got to be grateful. Yeah, my favourite agent of chaos. I enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I like watching those one play. But, you know, it, it's, it, yeah, I think, um, yeah, he kind of helped kind of hit upon, I think, a similar form, uh, formula for when we had, when we when we got promoted, to be honest, having a, a sitter mop and do it, do all that horrible, dirty work and then let Wilding and Phillips you know, let them, you know, have, you know, do my stuff in the final third. So, yeah, it worked out quite nicely. And obviously this season, not quite found that same formula. But, and you know, the, as, a, as a manager in, in football, you know, these things happen. You, you move players on and, and, make, and 
you know, make room for others. But yeah, I think he's definitely contributed. He was a big part of us staying up last season. So yeah, best of luck to him over and back in Malaysia. Loved a tackle. Loved a tackle. <laughs> and uh, there, were, there were times where there were times when he, uh, he, he, he even his legs didn't know what what he was thinking to, by the look of it. Which is, but uh, it was always great to watch, and he never got less than hundred percent. So you, you can't fault him for that, can you, James? Oh, you can't. And and I'll remember him for the for the tackles and for the fact that in his first interview he actually described himself as a destroyer. Um, but also for that lovely messy like Maisie run on the left against Oxford, which yeah, yeah, was well. absolutely wonderful. And you've you've got you've got to remember oh. the, the best of a player as well. Yeah, of course you have, yeah. And he did us a great job. But obviously, uh, Derek's been saying sort of like all the way, sort of since um end of November that it's going to have to be uh, moving people out to get people in uh, and I'm going to go for the hopefully the correct pronunciation of the recent signing um, today we've announced the signing of a um, is he a destroying centre-half or is he a footballing centre-half Caleb? I think he's probably got a bit of both to be fair Alright okay, anyway well, it's Danelle Simiou, I hope I've pronounced that right and done him justice Um He's got a good pedigree. Obviously, he's at Southampton, where we've got some good players from Southampton, haven't we, Caleb? <laughs> I think so, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and you've played with him, and he's a, he's a, he's a decent lad. Yeah, no, nah, he's, he's a good player. I think he'll help us. Um, and, yeah, aggressive, strong, fast, good in the air. And he's decent on the ball. And, obviously, Craig and, and the gaffer have watched him and like what they've seen. So, yeah, hopefully he'll help us a lot. Former Chelsea Academy, where, which as uh, me being a you know a blue, that's that's good for me. Uh, but obviously Southampton have given him a, a, a three-year contract, I believe. So they've they've seen something in him, which is great. Um, interesting um, from the point of view. Does that obviously we've lost a defensive midfielder because he thinks Gibbo can do the job? Uh, give us um, an extra extra dimension in the centre half position because obviously uh, from what Caleb says and what what the Tranmere and Carl Alphonse, he's got a bit of pace, Joel. Yeah, no, he's, it looks like he's got a lot of things that you want to see in a centre-back, you know, aerial ability, pace, gun the ball. So hopefully he should help him improve things because obviously Conor Ripley's been very, very busy this season. And uh, as great as he is at shot stopping, it'd be nice for him to have to be a little less busy in the next half of the season. So uh, hopefully Donnell can help contribute to that. And uh, looking at that, James, um, uh, uh, some good news because obviously, yes, it's a shame that uh, I'm, I'm really good that Usman's found himself a club, uh, one in, one out. Um, obviously, Derek will try to be doing something similar, I suppose, with uh, with maybe a couple of other positions. Yeah, Derek's there there doing all all he possibly can, um, and uh, and it's funny we, we sort of I didn't realise this. I got involved a few years ago, but. If you were to describe, um, you know, any any transfer window at any club, it's a bit like standing in watching a fruit machine and the, the wheels going round and round and round because there's potential in, there's potential out, and there's all this stuff going on. And if you, you know, there's twenty names, then there's three that come out at the end, and the other seventeen have been talked about in another six clubs. And it's it is it's 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 there's a lot going on. So I know that Derek and Greg will be busy. Um, well, Excuse the poor pun, but as long as we don't end up with three lemons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. To, to, to be fair, to be fair, the, the, the business that's been done, and I'm not just saying this because I'm going to sit here, but the business that's been done um, in, in this last last um, start of this season is excellent. I mean, I, I don't know the last time we've had such a good crop of low knees as, as just now. Um, 
ago. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And we've got three Premier League, one good championship and one proper Scottish Premier Premier League player. Um, and so, yeah, I think yeah, so far it's, it's it's gone well from the point of view of incomings this season. Um, but yeah, yeah, the transfer window will be hectic and busy for Greg and Derek and um, take whatever activity that pops out at the end is announced. Sounds like they're about 35 and that's, that's the amount of work that they're doing in the background. Yeah. So, um, obviously, you know, watch this space and uh, we'll see what happens. But from that point of view, we're moving on and obviously... Uh, it would be remiss of me not to mention what's happened in the last 24 hours with the uh, the Daily Mail report and pictures of uh, of the potential owner. Um, I know this is a difficult situation for you. Uh, so, obviously, you've got to toe the party line. What can you tell us, James? My daughter's just calling me. I'm just going to go and check it <laughs> Um No, seriously, I, I, I can't say anything. Um, ultimately, until a, a deal is concluded... Um, it, it is just noise and speculation and hearsay. Um, I'm not a Daily Mail reader. Um, and I actually didn't read what was in there. And I, I don't think I'll ever pick up the Daily Mail, to be honest. Um, but no, it, there's nothing to say at this, at this moment because until something is concluded, there isn't anything to, to anything to report. Well, um, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of flavour of the article. Uh, it, it's, it's uh, what did you call it? Client journalism, you called it, Joel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, it was obviously written by somebody who who, uh, who works at the Daily Mail's offices in London because he said the club's worth twenty million quid, <laughs> which I'm sure uh, even our potential buyers will come in with a bit of a shot with Joel, wouldn't you? Yeah, it, it did feel like it being written very much from the perspective of the the potential buyer wanting to put the word out there, and obviously there's a few spurious things in the article that whip it all up a bit, like the twenty million valuation and. The Tyson Fury interest, which obviously he did go and talk about and talk about, but doesn't seem to have actually ever been genuine. So yeah, it's one of those where you know there's, there's information out there to be read. So uh, we'll just have to see how it unfolds. Yeah, well, that's fair. and and obviously you know it, it is you know there's and it would be remiss of me not to mention it, but obviously uh, the 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 uh, the the rumor mill's gone into overdrive in the last twenty four hours because people have doing research online on onto this gentleman's companies and saying, you know, there's nothing to them and blah, 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 which obviously it is early days. Um, it, it, as, if the EFL do a fit and proper trust uh, and they pass, then it's on we go. But following on from that, um, I know that in the past, the Shrimps Trust has been involved, Joel, from that point of view of uh, getting involved early with the new owners. Uh, particularly with Jason and Colin, but also um, after the sort of Diego Lemos fiasco is what's really created the the Shrimps Trust. Um, so it, presumably there'll be plans in place to sort of, if we do get new owners, whoever they may be, that there'll be meetings arranged, I suppose, Joel? Yeah, it would be something that we'd look to do. Obviously, we're, we're all aware of the situation and we're keeping an eye on it and we'll be discussing how best to proceed with it. But yeah, things like the fans forum like we have with uh, Jason and Colin uh, when they first took over, that will be stuff that will be on the agenda. And uh, it's obviously, it, it, we're recording this, we record this on a, a Thursday evening, we've got Cheltenham Gale on the Saturday, so things may have opened up, who knows, by tomorrow and Saturday we may know more, but obviously, as it, I understand why you can't say any more, James. Um, I know, obviously, I know you, you've met the, the, the gentleman and his family, um, and I know you can't say any more, but obviously, uh, the, the, you know, are they, am I right in thinking they're from the West Midlands? Is that right? 
Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, all right then. It will be yam yams from now on. See, I can do a West Midlands. I can't do Australian. I never, I never said I Well, no. And Caleb can't either, despite his fact. Does your dad talk Australian, by the way? Or has he lost his accent? I would say no, but when people meet him, sometimes they say they hear the accent. That was the odd word. My, my daughter's been there five years, and when we talk to her, when we talk to her, there's the odd word that comes out where she sounds really northern, and there's the odd word that she sounds Australian. And so it's a really, really strange mix of, you know, uh, gravy and beer. Yeah, it sounds it. <laughs> yeah it is I, I had to get the gravy thing in again because how did i know that would be your that's your kryptonite is gravy isn't it caleb uh yeah i guess so that <laughs> potatoes oh potatoes all right yeah, i don't oh. eat them do you not is that is it the starch that upsets you or just just not i there was a, a thing when i was younger where i grew up because of them and just haven't been able to look at them since I'm the same with aftershock. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm the same with aftershock. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say mine with perno. <laughs> mine cider, to be fair. <laughs> you see, you, you see, you as a professional sportsman, yours is potatoes. Ours is all alcohol. That's the issue. That's where we're different, you know. <laughs> right. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you, Caleb, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck for the rest of the season. Do you, just my final question. I, now you've you've bagged three. Have you got a target for the rest of the season? Or are you just happy to sort of do your bit and uh, and score as many offside goals as possible? Yeah, I've got a target, but I'll, I'll keep that to myself and I'll let that's, you know if I hit it. Yeah, oh, well, that's that's good. That means you've had a nice time. You want to come back on at the end of the season and go, I said 20 and I got 18. That's what I like. Yeah, I think it was that. <laughs> still regretting what you're saying now, Caleb. <laughs> see i told you we're fun i told you we're nice james thank you very much for your honesty uh as soon as something else does happen and you're in a position obviously we'd hope that you'd uh you know you'd let us know and we can do an exclusive on this here podcast 100%. yeah and uh joel obviously you'll be going going back now and saying to the trust oh my god he asked me a really difficult question <laughs> so you better sort that one out as well but thanks for listening uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with another guest from the dressing room and obviously fingers crossed to talk about the third home win on the bounce uh, with another clean sheet. Fingers crossed. Thanks for listening. This has been Shrimpnet.